0: Welcome to Overthinking in Your Underwear. This is Lindsay, and here's what I'm overthinking right now. Huh. So the Montgomery, Alabama riverboat brawl. I was kind of thinking, maybe this is just a TikTok thing. Because if you have TikTok, it's all over TikTok. And then I saw it on the news, and then NPR did a thing about it. And I realized it's a real cultural moment. It's happening outside of TikTok. I mean, as a 45-year-old white woman, I think maybe my voice is the last one that needs to be heard. But that's kind of the premise of this podcast, that my voice is the last one that needs to be heard. No, the premise of this podcast is whatever I'm overthinking this week, I'm sharing with you. What happened, just I'll lay it out for you really quick. Montgomery, Alabama, there is a riverboat that is trying to dock, a huge riverboat. In the spot where the riverboat wants to dock is a small pontoon boat. But the people that have have parked it there are a group of, I don't know, four to five white people, which is crucial to the story. So the co-captain of the riverboat gets off, comes over, tries to talk to the group of white people. I'm sorry, this is crucial too. The co-captain, who is black, gets off, comes over and tries to talk to the group of white people to please move your boat because this riverboat needs to dock and this is the docking spot. You see in the TikTok video, I mean, our world of everything being taped. You see from so many angles this conversation going on between the co-captain and the group of people and I mean it goes on for minutes and minutes of him trying to get them to move trying 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 they're just no throwing up their arms no 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 he's throwing up his arms like please no they are just adamant they're not going to move their boat why wouldn't you move your boat when someone tells you that you're parked in this space I have no idea I mean ridiculous can only assume these people are really drunk but whether they're drunk or not it's like unexcusable behavior after a period of minutes someone in the group of of white people jumps the captain they literally jump up and start punching at him all the other people in the group start punching him too the white people start punching him too the black co-captain because there's a few kind of key moments in this takes his hat cap throws it in the air and all of the occupants of the riverboat happen to be a group of black people. They see what's going on. One of them, here's the other key moment. One of them was a 16 year old and he dives in the water, (laughs) swims across to help the co-captain. That's one of the other key moments. Other guys from the boat jump off the boat, run down the dock. They're skipping down uh, down the dock, like, let's go, let's go. And they start jumping in to help the co-captain and just wailing on these white guys right as they should be wailed on some women get involved from the white people's group again this sounds like really weird and racist to describe it i don't know how to describe it they start jumping in the group they start jumping in the melee they're just like swinging hands well they get hit too i mean that's gonna happen if you jump in the group one of the women gets hit over the head with a chair that's kind of another hot point, right? She gets over hit over the head with a chair, so I'm not sure if it was cops or security guard. they were uniformed officers come so they just start to their credit controlling the situation. they arrest about three to four of the white guys in the group. they arrest the black guy who hit the woman with the chair. Over You can hear in one of the videos over the loudspeaker, they just start saying, you know, we want to deescalate this situation. Please do not get involved. Please, you know, step away. If you've gotten involved, let's deescalate, let's deescalate. And it it calms down. It goes on for a few minutes, but it calms down. It never gets out of hand to the point where the cops are jumping in and beating on anyone. The cops literally like kind of have their hands in their pockets most time, just like separating people sitting people down when they can. They handled it really well. And all over TikTok, people were going crazy. Instantly, there was instantly a song about it that is running through my head right now. I'm half tempted to sing it. Everyone was talking about the guys that were skipping, the guy that was swimming, the guy with the chair. There was a filter. What, what person in the Montgomery Brawl are you? This event was like, Immediately memified, which totally talks about like the power of TikTok, the power of internet culture. People were talking about it, people were commenting on it, and overwhelmingly, I mean, from what I saw, and it's probably has a lot to do with who I follow. And you can, if you follow different people, you were seeing different things. Overwhelmingly, like white people were coming out and saying, Mariah Carey style, I don't know her. Like, those are not my people. <laughs> We do not know them. They are not with us. Violence isn't always the answer, but in this case, it was. They got what they deserved, you know? And I have to say, I felt the same way. I am someone who hates fights. I don't like violence. Even though if you've heard me talk about how I love true crime, I fast forward through gory parts. I don't like any kind of fight scenes or outward violence in movies. If I am in a situation where a fight breaks out, catch me running. Not because I don't want to get hurt, but because I don't want to see it. It really upsets me. So I was watching this and I had the same reaction that everyone on TikTok was having. First of all, it was kind of funny. Like everyone was saying how funny it was. And it was kind of funny to see these white guys just get what they deserve. One of the white guys runs away and dives in the water because he's scared. Funny. I mean, if people had been really getting hurt, I think that would have been another thing. At one point, one of the women just, like, falls into the water. I don't think she was pushed. I think she just fell. And then she couldn't get up out of the water. Someone helped her. But, I mean, it was just kind of classic comedy at some point. You know, like, I I would have, I don't think I've seen anybody put, like, a Benny Hill soundtrack under it, but it would have been great. I mean, let's be honest, it was funny. On a deeper level, on a deeper, like, overthinking level, I think everyone has met, whether you are white, white or black, everyone has met that group of guys, that group of gassed up, drunk, frack guys who can't be told no, who won't be told anything, who are ready to start a fight, who are pushing around a waitress or talking crap to a door guy or doing whatever they are at a bar or at the lake or wherever they are. And they're just there to cause mayhem. And everyone has seen that group of guys and gone, oh gosh, and seen them just getting away with things that they shouldn't. And I don't know if they did this because the guy was black or they would have done it if anybody stood in their way and said no. I guess they would. My guess is they would have done it no matter who stood up in front of them and said, no, you can't park there. That's my guess because I've met guys like this. We all have, right? I think the other part that everyone is overthinking and loving about this video, frankly, is... (laughs) You see that guy, those guys get punched in the face. And that is so satisfying. The other part of it that is either even a layer deeper is these guys are in Montgomery, Alabama. These guys are a group of white guys, some women, some women are with them too. And a black co-captain walks up to them. There are black people all around them, but they still feel so competent to jump this guy with the thought that nothing's going to happen with the thought that no one else around is going to retaliate with the thought that none of the security guards that must've been walking nearby are going to do anything to them because of the privilege that they've grown up with. And sorry, sorry to use the P word because I think that can be like a little bit overused, but because of how they grew up and what they had experienced growing up and avoiding consequences in that situation and in those situations and seeing how these situations normally play out, they felt confident that they could just jump the sky. This time it didn't happen that way. And I think people love that story. Whether you're white or black, you love that story. Hopefully, hopefully you're the kind of person that loves that story and loves to see this ending of that story of fairness, of fairness. Because we've been seeing historically for so long this going the other way, this being handled wrong, story of white guys jumping the black guys and the black guys being the ones that get arrested or worse. I don't want to speak for, in general, about what was so empowering about it because it was empowering to other people and different people and everyone who watched it for a different reason For me, when I watched it, that's why I was smiling. So this week, our main topic is overthinking patterns. Um, This is actually from chapter 16 of my book, Overthinking in Your Underwear, now on Amazon. I'm going to read a little bit to you, and in between, we're going to discuss some things. So, I once found cocaine in my boyfriend's silverware drawer. I know what you're thinking. Heavy narcotics should be kept with the drinkware, while marijuana is customarily paired with the cutlery. Despite living alone, the boyfriend assured me it wasn't his, and despite being a full-grown adult who could apply liquid eyeliner, I believed him. That's the thing. Relationships are a delusional dish. One day, you're on a date with a cute guy, and the next, you're rationalizing there's a cocaine fairy who powders the countryside at night. When it came to dating, I was often staring at cocaine in the silverware drawer. My relationships carried an out clause that would eventually present itself, sometimes loudly, like chopped up powder as I looked for a coffee spoon, sometimes in a whisper, like choosing a man who's unavailable and can't commit. At some point, it occurred to me. My patterns weren't the only one in need of an intervention. I was casting all the wrong things into the universe and stuck in a pattern that didn't serve my self-worth." Into my 30s, I'd replaced my anxious attachment style with an armory of avoidant behavior. I went for every guy who paid little enough attention to get my attention. I told myself it was normal to go for the chase and avoid the runaround, but I was dodging vulnerability with the rest of them. I chose guys who would mess up, bow out, or even move away. You're up for a promotion in Tokyo? Take my number. I threw up my hands and huffed, men, right? But I was in the wrong willfully waltzing into situations and staying past the point of reason. The partners we select are linked to our childhood. No surprise there. We choose someone with familiar patterns from our past and pick up the rhythm almost unknowingly. In the simplest example, you grew up watching your parents argue, fight, and endure an unhappy marriage. 20 years later, you're mirroring the same situation in your own life. In other words, we find someone doing the dance we already know. You're lockstep with your past, but in a present moment. We also replay patterns from recent events. For example, in your 20s, you experienced a long, unhealthy relationship where you were overlooked, treated badly, and disrespected. Maybe it was a marriage or a long-term partnership, but it was a dynamic you aimed to correct on your next go-around. Now you're with a partner who speaks over you, doesn't listen to your needs, and makes you feel insignificant. You sauntered into another relationship with repeating cycles from your past. So I love that little bit right there. In other words, we find someone doing the dance we already know. I've also heard that described as we find a knife that fits our wound, which is a little gorier, but really drives home that part like in a toxic relationship, when we find something that's hurting us, it's because we've been hurt that way before. And it feels natural, and it feels normal. And we're just kind of finding someone that fits into that groove of pain. And we're just keep wearing down that same old wound. So that's like really powerful. So if you're in sort of, and again, talk about Terms that are overused. If you're in a toxic relationship or a toxic pattern, even with yourself, think back, where did I learn this? And I really don't love the whole thing of like, did my parents do this? Like, not even that, but like, is it something from childhood? You know, did you learn? growing up from whatever dynamic you were in school that you were unlovable, that you were unpopular, that you weren't good enough. And then now you're in some sort of relationship where that kind of pattern is done over and over again. And you've like sauntered into doing the dance you already know, like, you know, this dance of playing small and being undervalued, because that was kind of your thing in your friend group when you were younger. So look at those things about Whatever is going on in your relationship, or even a pattern within yourself. So, moving on. It's easy to give a side eye to this guy and ask, Why me? Instead, face yourself and say, What was I getting out of that situation or relationship? Dating guys who were unavailable wasn't bad luck or a lousy radar on my part. I was supplying my avoidant attachment style extra leg room to stretch out and care not about commitment. If you're continuing a pattern or a behavior, look for the reward right down to the root. For example, let's assume anger is an emotion you'd like to temper. You seem to steam more than the average person. When you, when you delve into your behavior, you see with each outburst, your partner placates and calms you. It's the soothing you're after rather than the expression of anger. Use this exercise for any pattern you are trying to understand more deeply. You may uncover an issue you need to examine. You may uncover an issue you need to examine or a reward you could attain in a healthier way. So what I was talking about there... I was always dating all these guys who couldn't commit or had one reason or another where it just didn't work out. And when I stopped and looked at it, I went, wait, you know who really can't commit? This guy. I'm choosing all the partners that don't want exactly what I don't want, which is commitment. And anytime I met a guy who was readily offering up commitment, I was like, oh, you know what? Well, we just don't have anything in common. Oh, well, you know what? He's nice, but a little clingy. Uh, Well, you know what? He chews his food super loud. So I was doing what we kind of make fun of guys doing all the time, frankly. And then I was going for the guy that... And then I was going for the guy that I could comfortably date here and there, now and then, and wonder why he'd never call. But really, the truth is, I didn't even want him to. So check out what your motivations are. Usually, you're sabotaging yourself, and there's a reason for it. Becoming locked into an unhealthy dating pattern is a difficult cycle to spot. There's no intense weight loss or empty bottles piled in your trash can to taunt your psyche or signal friends as a warning. It may take years to see you're after the wrong things or permitting partners to damage your self-worth or possibly worse. A relationship packed with drama mimics emotions of love, passion, and increased attachment. We become addicted to the rush of conflict and the relief that follows when I'm sorry's are said. If you are locked into a pattern that doesn't serve your well-being, Ask the tough questions so you don't return to the same routine again and again. So I think that's so true, too. How many times have you been in a toxic relationship, again, that T word, where because there is all the fighting and because there's the back and forth and because there is the will he call me, you actually hype up that emotion to the point that you confuse it for love, you confuse it for lust, you confuse it for a deeper attachment. And then even if you do get out of it, and then you meet Mr. Nice Guy or Mrs. Nice Girl, you go, well, I don't really feel like there's anything here. Is there any chemistry? And the truth is, no, that's actually called normalcy. That's actually a healthy relationship. And what you had before was you manufacturing chemistry through drama. So I think that's a really important thing to look at. Like, where is this chemistry coming from? And if you do meet a guy or a girl that checks all the boxes and you're going, well, they're really nice and they're really wonderful and they treat me well, before you discard them, before you discard them with that phrase that I've heard and I've I've heard from my friends and I have said so many times of, but we just don't have any chemistry, Check yourself on your definition of chemistry and give them a chance for that to grow in a real way because often what we think of as chemistry is something that we just ignited through drama. That's a few thoughts on toxic relationships and I'm sure we could go on and on forever about that. I'd love to do one, uh, an overthinking on creating healthy patterns, because of course, after I did so much work overthinking my unhealthy patterns, I've done a lot of work on creating healthy patterns. It's obviously equally important to create our healthy patterns after we've overthought our unhealthy ones. So um, until next time, thank you guys so much for overthinking with me, and I am wishing you all good thoughts.